2: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro.
1: All right, here we are back again, two weeks in a row. Can you believe it? It's the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my awesome friend and kick-ass co-host, Chris Sinzak. Can you believe it, brother? We did it two weeks in a row.
0: I know, it's a new record, right?
1: Well, technically we're not really doing a whole lot of work because just like last week, this one's pre-recorded, but we got something special for you today. Back on the 7th of August at the Rock and Pot Expo, Chris and myself had the pleasure of joining on stage with Billy Sheehan and Greg Bissonette, and we did Albums Unleashed on David Lee Roth's Eat Em and Smile, one of my all-time favorite records. I know that's one that means a lot to you, too.
0: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, somebody, I posted a little teaser about it on Facebook, so I was like, would you hesitate to call it an interview? Because it's not really an interview. It's, a, it's more of a monologue or a duologue between the two of them.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, get ready, people, because you're about to hear the greatest interview that Chris and I have ever performed. We were so on time and had all the right questions, and everything <laughs> was, okay, you know, that's bullshit. We actually just kind of sat up on stage and... Listen to them. Yeah, best seats in the house. You're gonna find out.
0: It was funny, and like you know, it's there. It, there is stuff that goes into the album a little bit. We don't do the whole track by track thing on this one, but it's um, it's a great story. A lot of behind the scenes stories about how you know these guys met each other, how they got pulled into the band with David. And then uh, there's, there's also a surprise appearance from Carmine Peace during, yeah. <laughs> during the, the interview, um, which was I was kind of like, okay, we're completely off the rails when I've got guests just walking up on stage and talking. But it, it's a fun talk, and I, I know you guys are going to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I think if nothing else, when you're done listening to this, you're going to say, man, why doesn't Billy Sheen and Greg Bissonette do a podcast together?
0: Oh, it would be awesome.
1: They didn't even necessarily need us there.
0: No, and they uh, every chair was packed for this and uh, I know people were excited and we were too, but uh, yeah, it's super fun conversation, a lot of laughs and uh, seeing those two reconnect uh, at our event and the night before was amazing.
1: Got to love it. You guys are going to enjoy this today. But before we get to all that, we got to take care of a little business. It's been a minute since we've handled the business, but guess what? We've got one. I'm talking about a review. This one's an Apple podcast review. It's all five stars right there. Mm, I love it. This one's entitled Two of the Good Guys, and it goes a little something like this. I've written a review of the Decibel Geek podcast before, episode 355, March of 2019, but I felt that it was time to do so again. July 14th, 2021 was a sad day in the world of rock and roll as we lost two of the 80s hard rock icons, Cinderella's guitarist Jeff Labar, and KISS slash Cinderella keyboardist Gary Corbett. After this horrible news, Chris Sinzak graciously posted a great picture of Jeff along with Jeff's family statement. And Aaron Camaro posted a great picture of Jeff and himself together out on a fun night of drinking and mischief. Picture taken by Eric Sinzak. That's a great review right there. It comes to us from our good friend Starsky. We got to hang out with him not too long ago. It was great to see a man. Go back and check out Decibel Geek, This Is Your Life. That's still one of my favorite episodes where Starsky came on with us during the quarantine sessions, and, man, we had a blast with him. so starsky thank you for the review we love and appreciate it very much if you would like to leave us a review there's three great ways to do it you can do just like starsky did apple podcast review you can go to PodChaser, which is an awesome website where you can review podcasts right down to the episode so if this is something that you love a lot today you can actually go hey the billy sheehan greg bisonette episode was awesome and another great thing you can do to help us out is a Facebook recommendation. That's probably the easiest one, but man, they all mean a lot to us if you do it. And if it's good and it's five stars, just like that one, we will definitely read it on the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We love getting these reviews and uh, yeah, Starsky b- blew our minds with that episode. We had no idea what was yeah. coming and uh, yeah, he really did his homework and he really knows... Uh, Everything about us, it seemed he knew more about us than we did, and uh, we're uh, we're gearing up. Um, we're gonna start putting the pieces together to do a uh, live stream for our uh, 10th anniversary to celebrate it. And uh, but yeah, he he seemed to like know our entire history. So we I love people that go all the way back with us like that.
1: Yeah, that was a fun one for sure. You know, we've made so many great friends doing this show over the years, you know, and if we ever get an opportunity to give it back, you know, and show some love to our friends and our fans and the people that are listening to this show and people that have become involved with Decibel Geek, we're going to do it. So, case in point, right now, we got to let you guys know because everybody's wanting to know the update what's going on with Rock and Ron. Well, as it stands right now, not so great, man. Ron's not doing so hot at all, and we're all pretty nervous about what the outcome is going to be. One thing we do know for sure is with all the medical stuff that Ron's had to go through, and keep in mind, you know, this guy, by all accounts, should not have been at Rockin' Pod. You know, anybody else going through the situation Ron was going through, I'm sure the doctors told him, you know, Eh, I don't know if you should go to something like that, but Rock and Ron was like, "Hell no! I've got to go rock and roll with my friends. I am Rock and Ron, and that's what I do." And you know what? By the grace of God, he was there at Rock and Pod with us, and we all got to hang out with him and love on him and you know show him so much love. And so many people that were there at Rock and Pod wanted to meet Rock and Ron because you know he's he's podcast famous, you know, from the Decibel Geek podcast and of course from Decibel Geek TV. And everybody wanted to meet him, and everybody loved him. And like I said, you know, without a doubt, the financial problems that go along with this are pretty severe. And Ron's wife, Dawn, is working her ass off to try to keep things afloat. But man, they really need our help. So we rarely ask for much. You know, we don't really ask for nothing for ourselves. You know, we're just grateful that you guys listen every single week. But right now, we're asking for your help. We've set up a GoFundMe for Rock and Ron. It's not a whole lot, so we're hoping to be able to reach this goal pretty quickly and it's available for you right now. You know, if you're a fan of Decibel Geek, if you're a fan of Decibel Geek TV, if you're a fan of Rock and Ron Runyon, and let's face it, who isn't? Anybody that's ever met Ron or heard Ron on the show, man, everybody loves Rock and Ron, and this is our chance to help give something back to him to try to ease the stress of what he's going through i mean what he's going through is is pure hell right now and if we can lessen that even a little bit for him man i know it would mean the world
0: yeah we um we launched the gofundme today as of this recording um if you just go on well obviously put a link in the show notes for here but if you, you just want to look it up on google go look for fundraiser for ron runyon and family and um yeah we launched it today and please just give whatever you can and you know ron's done so much for us and for rock artists and for podcasting and he's just like the ultimate supporter of everybody he's like the biggest cheerleader for for this music and everybody that works on it and um let's give back let's return the favor and and help him and his family out so they can get through this because you know the bills mount quite a bit especially with them going down to one income where don's kind of you know taking care of everything financially and there's a lot of expenses that are just a pain and it's it's hard enough dealing with cancer much less having to deal with all these bills. So um we can't while we can't cure cancer we're going to do the best we can to help them financially.
1: Absolutely and you can do your part to help us with that. Check it out in the show notes, Rock and Ron GoFundMe, otherwise look it up at gofundme.com. Ron Runyon and family, and you know, he is our family, and he's your family too. You know, if you guys have been with us for any amount of time, you know, Ron, you love Ron. Please help us help Ron out. And we're going to be doing some stuff coming up this weekend, I think. We're going to probably do some kind of live stream, maybe a little rock and Ronathon, And you guys can join in on that and help us out with that. We'll keep you updated on when that's going to be, either Friday or Saturday. We'll figure it out and we'll let you know. But you can get involved on that. And like I said, please help us help a member of our family. And he is. He's rock and Ron and we love him, so help us help him out and it would mean the world to us. It would mean the world to him. And you know what? Maybe it's just the kick in the ass that he needs to show him that everybody loves him so much and that, you know, there's something worth fighting for. And we want Ron to keep fighting and do what he can and do his best, but we can do a little something to ease that burden. So please join us in doing that by checking him out on GoFundMe. Absolutely. God bless Rock and Ron Runyon.
0: Well said. Um so the uh, last thing we got to get to before we get into this crazy interview is uh, the Geeks of the Week. These are people that shared on Facebook, retweeted on Twitter. Last week's awesome interview with uh, the Apicea Peace Brothers at SIR Nashville. Got a lot of good feedback on that, and um, that was fun to listen back to. They, they were just amazing to have on. Yes. And thanks to both of them for coming on. Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Pantheon Podcast, Sit and Spin with Joe, Kristen Schimbeck, and Ron Runyon. David Cathy, Mark Alden-Taylor, Mark and Jerry B.S. Sessions, Jeffrey Hal, Shay Hargett, Jay Sheblooski, David Glenn, Keith Rockford, Mike Parnell, Doug Fox, Hakon Bergstad, J.J. McElhinney, Ernesto Aguiar, Vet Halen, Sean Cullen, Kevin's on fire, Scott Crouch, and as always,
3: The, the Mooger, Mooger Fooger. Fooger.
1: Well, before we get to today's festivities, I just want to give a huge shout-out to Pantheon Podcast. We are a part of that and proud to be there. Without those guys, you know, last week's thing with the brothers don't happen and this week's episode doesn't happen either so a huge thanks to pantheon who supported rockin pod and who supports decibel geek podcast if you're looking for more music podcasts to listen to go over to pantheon because they've got all the best ones in their roster so you just peruse on through who's hanging out with pantheon and you're gonna find the best of the best so you ready to get into this
0: yes let's do it
1: the greatest interview we've ever done it's David Lee Roth, Albums Unleashed, Eat 'em and Smile with Billy Sheehan and Greg Bissonette. And even us a little bit too. Enjoy.
3: I got kind of a sense of déjà vu. I could swear I've seen myself.
1: Welcome to Rocket Pod 2021, Rock and Rollers We're gonna have a good time, everybody's having a good time already But I think we get right to the festivities at hand I know why you're here, I know why you're here right now Same reason we are We got some special guests, we're gonna bring them up for you right now I know you guys love these guys, I'm very excited Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only's, both of them Billy Sheehan and Greg Bissonette how
4: about that? Yes. Hola, amigos.
2: Hola.
4: That's our executive assistant, uh, Christine. Yes, Thank you, Christine.
5: Yes. Wonderful. What a fun hang, man. We had the best time jamming last night. How many? Show of hands. Who was there last night?
0: Nice. Uh,
5: I was there, too. Nice. Who do you it like better, awesome. me or Billy? <laughs> Loaded question. I vote for Greg. I vote for Billy. Oh, thank
4: you. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, should we just start talking and then well, take some questions?
5: I have an idea because yeah. the whole Eat Him and Smile album, tour, everything started... With this man, so if you could please take us back to when you were in Talos. Ah, there we go.
4: When dinosaurs roamed. (laughs) Back in the Pleistocene era. We, uh, no, uh, Talos opened up for Van Halen in 1980. And the reason we got that gig is because we had a manager in Buffalo, New York, who was a local promoter. Harvey and Corky Productions was the name of their uh, company, and they brought in The Who and Emerson Lake and Palmer and all the big bands, Rich Stadium where the Bills play. They put on shows there, and it was all uh, a good thing. So we were just a local band, but we kind of outgrew being local. So since they were the biggest guys in the music business in town, they by default kind of became our manager. So uh, unknown to us, they sent uh, one of our demo tapes to Barbara Skydell at Premier Talent, who booked the Who and the Stones and Van Halen. And she said, oh, these guys should be opening up for Van Halen. I go, what? (laughs) So uh, sure enough, uh, we got the call. And uh, uh, our guitar player pulled up to pick me up to go to the gig. And he has got a bottle of champagne. Now, we had just showcased for Arista. And also, it was an Aerosmith show coming to town that we were in slot for opening up. So I said, what's the champagne for? Did we get the the record deal? No. We open for aerosmith you know he goes we got the van halen tour woo, woo, woo. Unbe- and i was the biggest van halen fan and i just loved that band so much and so sure enough we uh, ended up doing about 30 shows with them starting october 3rd i always remember that i would call it my lucky day for me
5: 1980
4: 1980 it was the women and children first tour and uh van halen was amazing they were on fire that was the best i think they ever were uh, at their worst night, they were only spectacular. God, they dip down to spectacular once in a while. They're so amazing. And uh, a side note: our our manager at that time, Harvey, is now uh, doing time. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. What? That's yes, Harvey Weinstein. Was our manager?
5: Oh, the wow. same Harvey. Wein- it's him. What yeah. was the name of the company?
4: And- Harvey and Corky Productions. So,
5: Harvey and Corky?
4: Yeah, uh, oh, I, I was going to send that. him a blanket. Maybe I can. <laughs> A gift. Wow. So it, a, it goes deep. And the uh, associate manager was Brad Gray, who ended up being the head of Paramount uh, Pictures for years. Pretty famous Hollywood guy. But Fifty
5: Shades of Grey, that Fifty
4: guy? Shades. Actually, we're 49 initially. Actually, 49. We got another one.
5: So Harvey Weinstein or Stein is from Buffalo?
4: No, he was originally from New York City, but I think he th- felt he could run a better scam if he went up to Buffalo, whereas Podunks couldn't, couldn't see through his... Uh... No, I'm kidding.
5: Ladies' night in Buffalo. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Brings a whole new meaning. <laughs> so then what happened?
4: Well, then uh, at the end of the tour, uh, Ed came up to me, and I'd been really friendly with him. Actually, the first time I met him, we were in the dressing room. Waiting to go on our very first show. We hadn't met them or seen them or anything like that. We're in a little dressing room, and it was L shaped. So I could see the guys in the dressing room and there's a hallway this way to the door. They couldn't see who walked in. Suddenly the door opens up and in walks Ed Van Halen. And later on they said, You should have seen the look on your face, you know. <laughs> and so I, I I didn't know what to say any the first thing Ed says was, which one of you guys is Billy Sheehan?
5: <laughs> and
4: and this is why uh For me personally, if I can add this here, uh, not to be uh, self-indulgent, but when we lost Ed, it was particularly uh, uh, sad for everybody. But for me, Ed was the guy that gave me that spark that it might happen. I might make it. I might become successful. Because he was kind to me and friendly to me, gave me his phone number, took my phone calls, In the back of my mind, though I was still a big fat zero in Buffalo, New York, going nowhere fast, uh, in the back was this little spark. Thank you, Ed, for putting it there and keeping it there and kept me alive. It was a beautiful thing.
5: And then what happened? (laughs) You're (laughs) getting off easy
3: here,
4: Greg.
0: (laughs) This is the easiest interview Aaron and I I I have have ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Wish they were all like this.
4: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You go right ahead. (laughs) No, we, uh, so I kept in touch with Ed, and then eventually um, uh, we got three phone calls in one week uh, in the summer of 85. One was the William Morris Agency wanted to sign Talis and put us on tour with Ingvay. Fantastic. Another was from Danny Goldberg from Gold Mountain Records, later went on to manage Nirvana. They wanted to do a record deal, deal with us. The third one was from David Lee Roth's office. He wants me to be in a movie.
5: <laughs> wow. What? Was that movie called Crazy from the Heat? It was, in fact, my friend. <laughs> Wait a minute. So before there was Eat and Smile, there was a movie.
4: Exactly. So I flew out to L.A. to start the uh, tour with Yngwie and Talis, And I had a day off, so I went to Dave's house. They came and picked me up, and I had a little meeting with him. We go outside, and he goes, uh, Well, there is a movie, but that's not why I called you. He goes, I quit Van Halen. Nobody knew yet and I want to start a band. Let's find a guitar player and drummer and go.
5: You were the first person to find out that Dave left.
4: That Dave quit. Yeah. Yeah. Holy. So uh, uh, now I had called Ed Van Halen the night before, not knowing anything. And uh, I said to him, yeah, uh, we're out here to play Dave. uh, Maybe can you come out to the show? He goes, oh, I'm kind of busy. And I go, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I'm having a meeting with Dave tomorrow. He goes, what? You're having a meeting with Dave? What? I go, and I realize, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in (laughs) it. I go, yeah, he's doing some kind of movie or something, and he wanted to talk to me He goes, well, well call me back right after the meeting and let me know what he said. Because we think, quote-unquote, we think he's going to pull an Ozzy Osmore, meaning he's going to quit the band and start his own thing like Ozzy did with Black Sabbath. So, so after I got done with the meeting with Dave, I had to make the decision, do I call Ed and possibly ruin it with Dave, or do I keep my mouth shut and just move forward? And I kept my big, fat mouth shut for once and... Uh, Fortunately, it worked out, but I was torn because I love Ed, I yeah. love Dan Halen, so.
5: Well then, how did you come to find, to, 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 this is before <laughs> me, so how did you come to choose Steve, you and Dave chose Steve I. how did that happen?
4: Well, we are on the same label, uh, Relativity Records, uh, Steve had his record in mind, we actually were going to maybe do something together anyway. And, uh, but I was sworn to secrecy from the beginning so I'm doing the whole Talus tour with Ingve knowing that at the last show it's the end of it and I couldn't say anything to anybody and it was, a, it, was a, it was a wild ride so uh, I I was Dave flew me back to L.A. after the tour and was just hanging out and I'm hanging out in L.A. and people are going so what are you doing here? I thought you lived in Buffalo. Oh nothing <laughs> I'm just hanging out and just I was hanging enjoying out. myself you know and so I ran into Steve and I said Steve there's a there's a gig coming up that, you know, you might be interested in. He goes, I think I know what you're talking about. How did
5: he know? I don't know.
4: I don't know. We'll have to ask him. We'll we'll have have to ask next him. year, we should get Steve up here.
5: We, yes. Yeah, what do you say? We just had the most fun night at Steve's place. Steve and his lovely wife, Pia, they bought a pizza oven. So we went over there and we made pizzas. How did yours turn out?
4: Uh, it was actually kind of soup. You know, it was a piece Mine of turned soup. It into
5: a panini. He had to fold it. We're not pizza chefs. That's but for sure. But we had a great time. And so, so then Steve kind of had an inkling.
4: Yeah. So we had Steve down. He was a perfect guy. We had another gentleman, a friend of Steve's, come in to play drums as we were writing, Chris Frazier. He's a, he's a Nashville guy now. Raise
5: your hand if you know the name Chris Frazier. Okay, let me tell you as a drummer, I had seen Steve at Club Lingerie, a great Hollywood club, with Chris Frazier playing. And I'm going, this guy is amazing. And Steve's music, flexible, that stuff, not easy. And he's killing it. Who is this guy? Chris Frazier. So, sorry, you had Chris rehearsing because he was Steve's drummer.
4: Exactly. So, uh,
5: for some reason,
4: Dave, uh, he didn't click with them it happens you know
5: no, no, I had no, a theory about that I wondered if it was because it was Steve's drummer maybe he just wanted somebody that wasn't already in Steve's band could be I don't
4: know could be because he's but a great he, drummer but he did fly Mark Miller out
5: who's Mark Miller
4: Mark Miller was the tallest drummer
5: when with with Mitch Perry's era? Yeah, yeah yeah okay that's the guy's name and I we never, came up
4: but Mark was just not into the rock and roll lifestyle and he was you know he never swore and he was a you know, we wanted to be a family man, home with the kids, so he opted out. Uh, and then, so then Dave gave me and Steve the challenge: go to SIR Studio Instrument Rentals, uh, set up a rehearsal thing, open open uh, casting, and get a bunch of drummers try them out and find me one. So uh, Karen Valdez, a secretary, put the an ad in Music Connection or something saying. Uh, Drummer Wanted for whatever, national...
5: For Steve Vai's band. Oh,
4: was Vai what D- it was for Steve band. That's what it said.
5: Okay. Drummer Wanted, like the Nashville scene here, the L.A. Weekly's in L.A. Drummer Wanted for Steve... Steve Vai putting a band together for auditions called uh, Steve's sister, what's her name? Uh, Pam. Pam Vai. Now, can I tell you how I found out about you looking for a drummer? <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay. So... My friend Myron Grombacher, raise your hand if you know that, Pat 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 Benajar's drummer, right? He goes, we're going to find you a really cool gig, man. So he sends me on some auditions. And one of the auditions is Vinnie Vincent had left Kiss. He had Lick It Up, you know, and he wanted to do his own band, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. So Myron says, go play with Vinnie. He's a great guy. He's looking for a drummer. So I show up at this rehearsal studio. The drums are all set up. And Vinnie Vincent says bro, I didn't want to tell you not to come down because you're Myron's friend, and I want to hear you play, but we already got a drummer. You already got a drummer. There's this guy. He's kind of a bodybuilder dude, and he drove his Winnebago out from Houston, Texas, and he already knew all of our songs because we sent him some demos, and his name's Bobby Rock. So raise your hand if you know that name. Yeah, so Bobby, great drummer. He goes, I go, wow, well, that's cool. Thanks for having me down. He goes, but you would be really good for Dave Roth, and I said, "Dave, David Lee Roth. He's in Van Halen." He goes, "No, he's not. He quit Van Halen, and he got Billy Sheehan. I got Billy Sheehan from Tallis. Yeah, wow. and they got Steve Vai. What? And they're looking for a drummer. Call Steve's sister Pam. So I call Pam. I said, Vinnie Vincent told me to call," and she's very Long Island. <clears throat> Great. Well, go down over there to this SIR and show up, and there's going to be some drummers. There might be quite a few drummers. I show up at SIR, and there's this line behind me because I got there early, and I'm going, This is, I'm, I'm, it's all over. Too many drummers here. The first guy I see walk out is a friend of mine, Matt Sorum. Before he was in the cult, before he was in Guns N' Roses, he and I used to sub for each other playing at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. You you come out of the ground and you're playing by Space Mountain, you know. I go, Matt, how'd it go? And he's Sacramento. He kind of talks like this, man. He goes, hey, man, not so good. He goes, he wanted me to play double bass. I don't really play double bass. I'm going, great, I play double bass. The next guy walks out, and it's a guy I knew from North Texas State where I went to college, Russ McKinnon. And Russ walks up. I said, Russ, how'd it go? He's from Tulsa. He goes, Well, they said I didn't hit hard enough. I said, Oh, come on. Yeah, come on, we're gonna hit and then one more guy walks out and I hear him talking about how Billy and Steve wanted him to play all this crazy syncopated stuff and remember all these Anybody know that song? Bum. Bah, bah, it's a little fast. Hot dog in a shake. Hot them.
4: dog talking a shake.
5: They had already written that, and they were jamming on it. So I had a Sharpie in my back pocket, and I had a, my friend Mark Cranny, who also auditioned. I didn't even know he was auditioning. He's from Jethro Tull and Gina Vanelli, brother to brother. He loaned me his lucky snare, a black beauty. So I go, that's a Remo white-coated head. I got a Sharpie. I could write some of these rhythms out. So I, I get in there and uh, had a blast. That was great.
4: And the moment Greg walked in, we knew he was the guy. The weirdest thing. <laughs> didn't even play yet. He didn't even play. It's an odd uh, psychic phenomenon or something. It's really true. And we uh, Steve and I were uh, auditioning all the drummers, and... Uh, after a while, and it's getting a little bit of drudgery. There's about 40 or 50 guys we went through. And so we kind of talked on the side. The moment anybody complains about anything, they're they're already done. The weather, the traffic getting there, if, they, if this ain't their kit or I can't hear this, we're just going to say thank you very much and uh, move on. So Greg comes in, shows behind the kit. What do you want? Ball of energy, ball of enthusiasm. Play this. Perfect. Steve, give him some 7-4. Okay, throw some 5 in there. Yeah, okay, do this. Greg nailed it all, did it all, was amazing. And uh, we uh, knew right away we had the guy. Uh, and again, just, and Steve and I looked at each other when Greg, Greg walked in. We just, it's weird that we just kind of, that's that's the guy. That's oh the guy.
5: God. I oh, remember the first thing you said. I said, you're Billy Sheehan from Dallas." He goes, yeah, hey, man. I go, Steve, I saw you last week at the Club Lingerie. And, and you both said, why don't you just play something, play a drum solo. And I said, I bet you any money... They're going to play hot for teacher on the road. So I started going. (laughs) And they go, oh, okay, so you can play hot for teacher. That's good. And then Steve had these little rhythmic things, and then we jammed on some stuff. But I remember later that day, Steve calling. I had a pager. Raise your hand if you ever had a pager. 1985, I had a pager call the go to a pay phone call Steve his number hey it's Steve Billy and I really think that you're the guy and we want you to come to Dave's house tomorrow come to Dave's house tomorrow there's already a drum set set up because my drummer Chris Frazier has been rehearsing on it I said Steve by any chance do you have you guys have a bunch of songs maybe that you've already written yeah we do we have a bunch of them do you have cassettes of those cassettes he goes I do is there any way I could come up and borrow those cassettes so I could learn the songs? You know, that'd be pretty cool. Come on up. So I go to his house. He gives me a brown paper bag with about six cassettes. And we and you had all these jams that were eventually songs. Yes. And I charted them out. And we, I had little index cards. And all of a sudden, Dave walks in the room. Dave, he goes, I'm in David Lee Roth. Great to meet you. Got a question, bro. He goes, These guys just discovered you yesterday. It's like you're Christopher Columbus or something. He goes, how how did you learn all these songs so fast? And I said, well, they gave me cassettes of the stuff you've been doing, and I wrote charts. He goes, you read music? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what was your last gig? And I thought, man, I'm dead in the water, because it was Maynard Ferguson, a big band jazz thing. And I said, Maynard Ferguson, and Dave knows his music, and he knew about Maynard Ferguson. He goes, the high note trumpet player. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then he goes, look, if you can power that big band, you can power the four of us. Payday starts Friday, let's go get some Mexican food. Yeah. Nice. And we awesome. And we got in that lowrider red cool car from Panama. And we went to this Mex place. And he puts in a cassette of Frank Sinatra, That's Life. Yeah. And he goes, I think we're going to do this song. And it's big band, so you can do this right now. And I go, yeah. And Billy, you are such a Frank Sinatra fan. You had that bass part wired and we rehearsed for what, oh man four months or something before Ted, Amazing. Well, Ted, Ted Templeman came down yeah to just make sure that he approved of the drummer and uh, and then we he said I got an idea of going up to Fantasy Studios in Berkeley California yes sir take it from there
4: well that, we did some EDM smile at Fantasy uh, studios also
5: that's
4: what doing. so there uh, uh, oh uh Sorry, I'm sorry, I, I jumped I jump bands uh, for a minute. That's okay. No. Gotta go back. Go back to uh, David Leroy. Okay. Yeah, sorry. No, uh, yeah, and uh, Ted finished? Temple was a producer, and uh, Tom Size was the second uh, engineer.
5: Tom Size, I know that name.
4: And he ended up working with Mr. Big, because Mr. Oh. Big ended up playing a, uh, recording a fantasy also. Okay. But we, um, Eat him and Smile, uh, people often ask the difference between Skyscraper and Eat him and Smile. Eat Him and Smile, we did together in a room. We wrote it together in a room. We'd be down in Dave's basement uh, of his house, and I remember walking down the basement for the first time and then realizing this is where they Van Halen rehearsed. And so over in the corner was a whole bunch of piles of old Marshall parts and speakers, and I knew it had to be Ed's. So another time I was glad I didn't open my big fat mouth and say, Hey Dave, you know, I'll, I'll take care of this stuff for you if you want me to move out of here. <laughs> but I didn't. And I left a sacred sacred spot there. But we, uh, we'd be jamming away down in the basement coming up with parts. And Dave would come downstairs. That sounds like a verse. That sounds like a verse. Get, put a chorus on there. He'd go back upstairs. We figured out. All right, verse and chorus. Good. Now give me a bridge. And uh, we'd do that. Make a cassette. He'd put it in his car, the Panama car. Get Eddie Anderson to drive him around. he's in the back seat and write lyrics, and yeah. that's how that record was created. Wow. And because uh, because of that, there's a, in my humble opinion, there's a charm and a reality and a truth to it that it was. When you hear a, a, a record and it sounds like everybody's having a good time. Then you found out later that they all hate each other, and they, they had separate hotels and different tour buses, no sound check together, all that crazy stuff. That but was not us. No, it was not us at all. We actually hung out, and uh, in Dave's uh, guest house behind his place, where Larry Hostler stayed, yeah. uh, he had a big garage filled with beer from the Us Festival. Now, the <laughs> Us Festival was years earlier, and Pasadena gets pretty hot. So that beer was long since skunk beer. But we'd sit around, nothing to drink. And so, Larry, go out and get, some, get us some beers. we'd bring in the skunk, us festival beer. We'd pop it open, drink, sit around in a circle. Wow. Steve would tell Frank Zappa stories. You'd tell your adventures, Manny Ferguson and so many others. I'd tell all my shenanigans, and Dave would tell his. And we had a riot.
5: We hung out. We went to the Rainbow. We're going to the Rainbow tonight. And we'd always have this one place by the bar. When I saw you last night at the... Uh, what a cool club that was, by the way. Yeah,
3: yeah. When Mountain. I
5: when I saw you, you were kinda of holding court in that one part of the bar. It was and like said, the rainbow. It was like the rainbow. We always kinda of sat back at the rain pervade the room, you know. Single guys out in the town, you know, nineteen
4: eighty five. Yeah. do the math.
5: <laughs> so then we go up to Berkeley. Berkeley's near San Francisco, Bay Area studio. And Journey is in the next room. And they're getting ready to record their album. We're, the first song I remember playing was Tobacco Road. And Jeff Hendrickson was our engineer, Ted Templeman was our producer, and we started the. And I remember one day early, Steve Perry coming in and going, That was a cool version of Tobacco Road. I was like, Wow, all right, I guess we're. I remember asking you guys, Do you think that we're going to be like on MTV and on the covers of magazines and stuff, and you go, are you kidding me? Like, right away, (laughs) man, were you right.
4: (laughs) But tell them them, uh, who Steve was looking for.
5: So Steve Perry, for some stupid reason, he had the best drummer ever, Steve Smith, Because originally, you know, it was Prairie Prince from the Tubes was the drummer of Journey for a short time. And then Ainsley Dunbar was the drummer with Journey on records and tours. But then Steve Perry, I love Steve Perry, but he's got a lot of, you know, ideas. One of his ideas, let's fire Ainsley Dunbar and hire Steve Smith. And then one of his other ideas, after Escape and Frontiers, let's fire Steve Smith and find another drummer. So he's looking for a drummer. And he goes, hey, uh... That's a good version of Tobacco Road. You know, we're in the next room. We're we're auditioning drummers. Journey's auditioning. I said, "Well, I'm in Dave's band now." And he goes, "Well, you could audition for Journey." I go, "I'm in Dave's band. I want to be in Dave's band. Man. Yeah, I'm in yeah. Dave's band." But it was so funny. And then they ended up getting Mike Baird, right?
4: Yeah, Mike Baird. I didn't know much about him. I don't
5: either.
4: God bless them all.
5: Wow. well I remember after Tobacco Road. I remember because we did Eat em and Smile in two studios. Fantasy in Berkeley, and then Ted says, I think we're gonna go to New York. And we all went, Let's go to New York. So we go to Manhattan to the power station, and it was owned by the Bon Jovi family, like Bon Jovi. And the power station where they had, you know, something like it hot. I'm getting lyrically stumped. Something like it hot. Anyway, so that's where they did a lot of that. I can imagine Robert Palmer sitting there. Something like it, hot. some like it hot. Okay, we got a song. Anyway, first and of course. So we're recording at the power station in New York for the other half. But from my recollection, and I want to get your opinion, I think I remember in Berkeley at Fantasy doing Tobacco Road, Bump and Grind, Shy Boy, Going Crazy, and I think that's life. And then I I think when we went to the power station, we did Ladies Night in Buffalo, Yankee Rose, Big Trouble, and I'm Easy, but... Any, I,
4: I I that escapes me. I, I'm not sure exactly what the sequence of events was, but uh, it yeah you're probably correct.
5: Only because I I had all these cassettes and I remember Myron Graubacher's Ludwig kit was used at Fantasy, but in New York we they had a rental kit and I remember you and I and Steve going to the Limelight and seeing Steve Stevens. Right. What happened then?
4: I forgot. Okay. Well. He, oh yeah. Because Steve Steve got some gear missing or something, right. and Steve Stevens was very kind to lend him some, because Steve's got, got great amps and guitars and stuff. But actually I left a little part out prior to getting Steve Vai in the band, Steve Stevens was going to be the original guitar player for wow. Eat em and Smile. Uh, but Steve at the time, he was, you know, uh, had a relationship with Billy Isle, didn't want didn't to leave that, so uh, and Steve Stevens would have been great too, uh, and fantastic player, wonderful guy, but uh, he decided to stick with Billy Idol, so that's...
5: Was there any talk early on? I remember once we played a gig the first week of Eat Him and Smile, and a guy walks in in an American Airlines uniform. He's a pilot, and it's Steve Morris. And I go, you're a pilot for American <laughs> Airlines? Was there any talk that he was originally considered also?
4: Not that no. I recall. It's just okay. that his name was Steve, and there was already so many Steves to confuse <laughs> the issues.
5: <so>. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any questions? I just got handed one. Oh, sorry.
1: This is a very important one. They just handed it to me. It says, Ask Stephen Billy about recording Kids in Action, the ah. Kim Mitchell song for Edom that was never released.
4: Yeah, I brought a song in. I uh, brought a couple songs in. One was uh, Secret Agent by Rory Gallagher. Great song. I thought Dave would kill on it. And he liked it. And we, we kept it on the list for a long time before it got pushed off or for whatever reason. And then Kim Mitchell. I with a band called Max Webster in Toronto. I was briefly with them prior to uh, their Universal Juveniles record, and uh, never performed with them live. But but I always loved Kim's uh, music, and he had a song called Kids in Action he had sent me a demo of. So I, I gave that to Dave, and he liked it too. So I think, and you are Greg Renoff. Is Greg Renoff There he right is. There.
5: That was his question.
4: Greg, wonderful. How are you, man?
5: Greg, really quick. Come on, you got to... Did you send us a tracking sheet of that? Yeah, yeah. Say hi to Greg. To Greg.
0: Sorry, this is kind of awkward for me. I didn't mean to, like, intrude on this. You're um, good.
4: Greg wrote an amazing uh, uh, two Van Halen books, didn't you? Yeah, one on Ted Templeman and then one on Van Halen. Beautiful. Yeah, Thank great. You. Really Thank great you. books. Thank you, guys. Highly, highly recommend. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah,
0: so um, Jeff Hendrickson, who was the engineer for Ted Templeman, had this track sheet for Kids in Action from Fantasy Studios that I presume was supposed to be used for the movie. Because that's when you guys were tracking the stuff for the movie. I'm not I sure what
4: its relation to the movie was, but it was on the yeah, list. Yeah, and so. so
0: this is sort of this lost Eatem and Smile song. So everyone can email Rhino Records and say we should release an expanded version of Eatem and Smile with Kids in Action, but apparently it was finished. So yeah, so.
4: wow, it Thank was you, finished.
5: I, uh, I was at the tune because I had my little church. It was like Oh, was that another one? Yeah, that was it. It was da 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 what was the groove then? That's
4: how we write songs. Dude. It goes like this: We <laughs> should <I>,
5: have. <yeah.
4: laughs>
5: yeah. Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to that tape? Is that 24-track tape somewhere? The if it
4: is, we gotta track that down. Greg, can you help us? We'll be talking to you in a bad way.
5: Okay, kids in action, yeah.
4: As a matter of fact, uh, the gentleman that's uh, mixing a brand new Talus record, we went back and took the, all their songs from 85 when I left the band. We thought, well, we should update them and like do better lyrics and stuff. Said, let's do them exactly the way they were back in the Pleistocene era, right? yeah, in, the, in ancient yeah. times. So we just finished that, and uh, Kim uh, Mitchell 's a close friend of this guy, and we talked about... Uh, recording kids in action oh, together. So beautiful. you would be the drum... Oh, if you play drums, that'd be great.
5: I would love to, buddy. Come and on, please. <laughs> cool. Please. That was so much fun last night. Oh, yeah. You know, you know here's a funny Edom and smile story, because on the album, you know, when Steve and Billy do the amazing duet, you know, on the album, we just thought, we'll just do four sixteenth notes on the snare. take a shy, boy, shy. So just... Right. And I don't remember what we did live, but I'm listening to the album in my room before the gig, and I'm going, okay, four hits, but I think on the tour, we used to go, did we do four?
4: Yeah, to give you more time to get give to the mic. So here,
5: I'm sitting there, and the poor guy that's playing guitar, he's like, whoa, whoa, you got me on that one. You know, we had a few little things like that, because we never rehearsed this. with What a bunch of great musicians last night.
0: Yeah, we should uh, we great should players. give it up to Tyson Leslie for putting that show together. Amazing Tyson. job, my friend. <laughs> yeah, get hand. up here, Tyson. Big Everybody, hand. give it up for Tyson. He did Tyson. an amazing job. Amazing,
5: fantastic, man. Great job. Great job. Thank you, bro. Thanks, So many great musicians in Nashville. Thanks for having us. What a rocking scene last night, man. It's great. Wow, great rock scene in Nashville. Do you have
4: Nashville. another question, sir?
1: What do you got? Yes. You got a question?
4: Yell it out! I'm deaf.
1: So, um, obviously, you know Eddie Van Halen kind of popularized the, the two hand tapping technique on, on the, the West Coast and revolutionized guitar. But you were my understanding is you were already doing it on bass prior to knowing that, or did you actually get that from him? And how did that a, work out with you guys both doing it on tour together?
4: Uh, well, um, it was never a, a it was it was all good. But I got it from Billy Gibbons in 1974. Oh. Harvey and Corky uh, were our managers. So we got front row at uh, Alice Cooper, New Year's Eve with ZZ Top opening up. Wow. Dusty Hill, God bless his soul. Wow, yeah, a, rest in peace. Wow. Amazing. And uh, we were right in front, so I was actually in the shadow of Billy's hat but he was standing right there. <laughs> and we saw him. With his finger and touched the fretboard, and a note came out. We're looking at each other, oh my, unbelievable! So I got home that night. And I go, I got took my bass, and, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, what a story, man! True, true story. So uh, in addition to that, years later, I'm in L.A. I think Lita Ford was recording, and she's a dear friend of mine, so they invited me down to the studio, but they didn't tell me that Billy Gibbons was going to be there. It surprised me, and I'd never met the guy. But every time I do an interview, We're, you must have got from Ed Van Halen, no, it was Billy Gibbons. Ed Van Halen was, yeah, it was great, but it was Billy Gibbons. Yeah, but it, I had to keep always bringing up Billy Gibbons' name all the time. So I go in, and there he is. I, oh, my Lord, Billy, what a pleasure and honor. I love you so much in your band. He's the greatest guy we sat, hung out he's a walking encyclopedia of every subject under the sun. What an amazing man, incredible guy. So we're talking and hanging and talking and hanging, getting a little late, got to go, okay. So I said, what a pleasure, you know, what a great surprise to see. He goes, hold on a second, I got something for you. Reaches in his bag and pulls out a framed autographed picture of himself to me, signed to me. And I'm like, wow, what I go, what's, wow, what's this for? He goes, I read what you've been saying about me in the interviews. Keep it up.
5: Oh, man. Awesome. Now, that, uh, that's some human stuff right there.
4: He is a wonderful man. Wow. Oh, cool. Awesome. Hey, one story. I, I, can, I, can I tell the uh, story of Anything. how you got that voiceover gig? Oh, sure. Because yeah. I often tell people. Because sure. when an amazing thing happened, things happened to my dear friends, I put it into my, uh, my uh, repertoire of stories and uh, I get such a joy telling this because it's a great inspiration that anything can happen, anything is possible Uh, I just wanted to play in Van Halen so bad I was torn because I love Michael but I love the band and next thing you know I'm playing with David Lee Roth you had uh, dreams to play you were a Beatle fan, a huge Beatle fan and Beatles and Beatles and uh, we all are, we all are he plays with Ringo yes so watch what you wish for, you might get it. So I, I hope this is accurate. Greg is doing a session with his brother and a whole orchestra for a Disney production. And he's out there playing drums and there's all suits uh, in this control room watching everything going on and a whole, a whole orchestra with strings and everything. And uh, his music sheet music is screwed up. And so he says to his brother, kind of quietly, because it's really expensive to do these sessions, Matt, Matt, I'm lost. Where, I got I can't find the spot on the chart. You know, and he's, you're not supposed to be talking or anything, just yeah. whispering to his brother, I can't find, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, over the microphone from the talk goes, drummer, can you come in the control room, please? <laughs> and, he go, and he goes, oh no, oh no. So he goes, walks in the control room, and, go, and, and they say, uh, say something. And he goes, what do you mean? Says, say anything. We'll, we'll, well just talk here read something do something let me hear your voice and so he does and and, uh, and you might have already picked it up a little bit they hired Reg, Greg to be the voice of Winnie the Pooh
5: oh wow, wow. thank you Billy what a Accurate? what a surprise that was wow. it was the end credits of Finding Nemo and yeah I just sort of said it in that voice my chart there's something going on with my chart here I can't figure out what there it is, it is. <laughs> and so I'm going. Wow! So, hey, Carmine, Carmine, come here, come here,
4: <laughs>
5: Carmine Say hello to
3: our friends Hello, friends.
5: <laughs> Carmine,
4: the great.
3: I'm running incognito over here, so I get the mask on, so nobody knows who I am. Oh, there you go. There you go. I Greg, we- my brother Vinny in the back there, and where's Billy. Vinny? Billy, Big. dude, and haven't seen him, right, man. How so are you? you man. <laughs> Beautiful. Billy has uh, been a fan of my old bass player, right, who passed away, Tim Bogert. Number Ooh. one fan. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Bogert. my biggest yeah, influence. Yeah, man. Uh, Hanging, banging show. Billy came on when we did a tribute to Tim. It was awesome. So Beautiful. Nobody recognized me because I stopped dyeing my hair. Oh. but at least I have hair.
5: They were playing Blue Murder songs, but you weren't there last night.
3: I know. Because we left.
5: <laughs> I go, that's a no, Blue no, Murder no, song. Happened, Where's Carmine? We
3: knew what happened was, we, we were going to play, and then we. Okay. Sandy Gennaro said, play with my band, so we play with their band. And then they said, a couple hours later, you play with the other band. And me and Vinny are going, a couple hours later. A couple hours so later. we left where my buddy Dwayne Hitchings used to play with Cactus, and we went and stopped at White Castle. There you go. And
5: uh, we had a good time. Well, buddy, we love you. Yeah, I love you. We got nine and a half minutes left and oh, 12 yeah, more yeah. stories. See you guys. See ya. No. Carmine, realistic. Great Rock. to see you, bro. So that Beautiful. was super fun. And uh, yeah, oh, what an honor to get to do that. So, buddy, we got to talk a little bit about a little. Well, do you have any other questions? No, Adam, Oh, you yes. Guys doing,
1: you guys are doing a great job. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're making our job very easy today. Yeah. <laughs>
4: The movie the re- that didn't happen. Yeah,
0: the Almost yeah. Reunion.
4: Okay. I've got the script still. I still have a copy of the script in my archives. I'm an archivist. Some people refer to me as a hoarder, but I keep <laughs> I keep everything. You never know when something might be important. Yeah. What's that? Historian. Historian. Isn't that a Def Leppard record? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> all the clothes you saw us wearing were, were designed for the movie. Remember I, I, that, that weird uh, a leopard jacket with a, like a, a pimp jacket that yeah, i yeah, start yeah. the show the, with. I need him a smile. Yeah, spot. yeah, yeah. That was that. And a lot of Steve's clothes, too. But
5: Niels it, Lozauer's photos.
4: Niels Lozauer. God bless him. God He's bless a, him.
5: He's a great friend. What a
4: great pho- photographer.
5: And we almost did a reunion at uh, a bowling alley in L.A. For free. And, for free. We, 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 we got together. Billy and I were jamming at this uh, bowling alley. It was really fun. And then they said, you should have Steve come down. So we called Steve and said, yeah. Then we said, we should ask Dave to come down. So we asked Dave. And um, we also, in case case Dave couldn't make it, we were going to have Ralph from Steel Panther, Atomic Punks. And I said, hey, Ralph, would you be into coming if Dave can't make it? He goes, yeah, man, come on. Are you kidding? I said, well, if Dave is there, you know, he goes, well, I'll just hang out and watch. And so Ralph was there. Dave showed up. We were ready to play. And Ralph said, hey, Dave, I'm Ralph. He goes, I know you. You're David Lee Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. But I mean, it didn't happen. So I'm on the stage, and the
4: stage is kind of weird. On the side there is a curtain, and the door, the front door is there. The whole place is so crowded that uh, Glenn LaFerman said he couldn't drink because his drink was down here, and he couldn't get it up to his, so many people.
5: <laughs> he couldn't get a drink That's
4: crowded. The- and uh they overdid it There's, i think on a, uh, legally they it holds 400. the fire department usually gets lets them get away with six there was 1200 people in that home oh it was God. actually dangerous so uh the fire department didn't do a bad thing so I'm, I'm i'm sitting there and on the side of my peripheral vision i noticed some clamor going on and it was the fire department coming in with full gear oh, wow. hats uh axes uh, unbelievable, and and they, they just said you got you shut it down, shut it down. You're you, too many people in the room. You're violating all the codes. Shut it down, shut it down. So we, we're on stage. we I think we're still behind the curtain. And uh, I said, well, maybe if I play a couple notes, the fire department will, you know, realize. Oh, this could be really. So I, you know, <clears throat> lift the curtain up. One more note, and you're going to jail. <laughs> so, how about that? So I unplug my bass. <laughs> And uh, they, they did the thing. We'll get volunteers to leave.
5: Yeah, nobody wanted nobody to Nobody
4: volunteers, so we had to. But the best part about it was, unfortunately, we couldn't play. So you, myself, Brett,
5: Brett was with us. Brett Tuggle. Us. Brett
4: Tuggle, of course. God Great bless keyboard
5: him. player. Uh, yeah. Needham and Smile Tour, yeah.
4: Amazing. Love Brett. And Steve and Dave, we went backstage, and we just hung and talked and hung and did like the like the skunk beer days. Yeah. yeah. We, had a, a we had a great, great time. So that, to me, was almost worth it. I wish we could have played. Yeah. But it was almost worth it to, just to hang, you know. Exactly. The
5: original band. We had a cool. good time hanging. Right on.
0: Well, can I ask, uh, has there been any discussion at all of maybe getting together again and doing something, you know, even a one-off?
4: Uh, me, Greg, Steve, and Brett have discussed it, but there's yeah. one other guy that's kind of important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't know. I, I, I don't mean to speak for you, Greg, but I think we concur on this. Yeah. Uh, if Dave wanted to do anything, I'm ready anytime. It would be a blast. would Love to. It would be a blast. Blast. That would be I think amazing. Steve and Brett feel the same way. Yeah, so.
5: we love. It's, we all love each other. Yeah, be I love, awesome.
4: we love Dave, and he's uh, changed our lives. And Absolutely. He's still my hero, and he always will be. So, well,
5: I, I, I got to tell him that night at the backstage bowling alley. I said, "Dave, I just got to tell you something." He goes, "You're playing with Ringo. Congratulations! I know what a Beatle freak you are." I said, "I've been with Ringo now 18 years, and an all-star band for 13 years." But I said, Dave, I owe this all to you, man. I said, you are my musical passport. Yeah. Because when I got with you and I had those fun, fun years, I said, all of a sudden, I got credibility. And people knew, you know, they, they knew who we were. We couldn't yeah. go to the mall. <laughs> Yankee Rose is on, Going Crazy is on MTV. You know, you go to the mall and all the high school kids are like, hey, man. You know, it's like, this is cool because my prayers all my life were god let me be a drummer that people know who i am and then bam you know watch what you wish for watch yeah. what you wish for. i think
0: uh, i think we got time for about one more question who anybody got a question out there that wants to ask billy and greg uh, yes, right, right here. here come on up oh there's a handheld there you go hi can you talk about how you met ringo
5: oh yeah sure i met ringo 3 times before i got the gig the first time i was in uh Hollywood doing an album. Uh, Fred Curry, the drummer in Cinderella, for some dumb reason, didn't get to play on his records in the beginning. And Andy Johns used session guys. So I was the session guy on one of the Cinderella albums. And I, I look at these road cases in the next room, and it says Richie on it. I thought, maybe that's Richie Hayward from Little Feet. And it's Tom Petty in there recording. And I cracked the door. Richie Starkey. It's Ringo in there. And I closed the door. Holy cow. So I go out to my car. We used to take cassettes out to our cars and listen to them. Yeah, I remember. So we had these great Andy, drum, Andy Johns drum tracks. I put the cassette in. I see Ringo walking. I'm blocking him in. <clears throat> his brand-new Mercedes is in front of my old Porsche, right? And we're listening. I had a good sound system, and he's walking with his stick bag. And I said, Ringo, I get out of the car. I go, I was just leaving. He goes, I know you're leaving, but when? <laughs> <laughs> And the second time I met him was at a Bob Dylan show. Ian Wallace, rest his soul, was the drummer. And he was warming up, and Ringo walked in. He said, Ian, I thought I told you never to do that till you get on stage. What are you warming up for? And we met then. I told him I know his son, Zach. But the next time was in the audition, not the audition, the the first rehearsal for Ringo and the Roundheads in 2003. And then that started the whole ball rolling. So right. I just we just did a thing on masterclass.com. It's going to be out. Oh, man. And it's going to be super cool.
4: Yeah, I'm so proud of you uh, for so many reasons. Uh, not only is Greg a spectacular drummer, he can do pretty much everything. But a lot of guys that can do everything, do everything in a half-ass uh, uh, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Greg uh, puts that myth to rest because oh. he is a master of everything that he does. I
5: love you, buddy.
4: True story. True story.
5: You're so cool, man.
4: And that he's playing with, uh, with Ringo, and he was such a Beatles fan. I, I, it, just, I, I, it inspires so many people when they hear that to know that, yeah, this little dream. And I know so many people that has happened. It's a little dream, and later on it happens. Mike Magliori did you play with Maynard Ferguson, too?
5: Sure did, Buffalo,
4: yeah. Uh, from Buffalo, sax player of my very first band, great player. He always wanted to be in the big bands, and he ends up being in Buddy Rich's band, Woody Herman's band, and uh, uh, Maynard's. Maynard's band. Uh, so, uh, so many people have this little dream, and they think it's not going anywhere, but, man, it can happen well, I, about, out of nowhere.
5: How about the guy in Buffalo, New York, in Tallis, that opens up, and they're all freaking out, and then... Dave leaves Van Halen, starts his own band, and the first guy he picks is (laughs) Bad, Bad Billy Sheehan. Talk about dreams! I love you, man.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.